For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome back, Blue Stable listeners, to the Blue Stable podcast. We're a little bit somber today after a 28-16 Colts loss to the Seattle Seahawks, but there are positives to be excited about. Rashad McGinnis is back, everybody. It's You don't just have to listen to me and Michael arguing back and forth. My guy Michael is still here. All three are back in the studio for the first time in what feels like a month and a half. Yeah, I think it's it's about that. I bought my I got my white and black shirt on. Since you know I'm the referee of the podcast, I gotta stand between you and Mike and make sure y'all don't get out of line. You know, keep you guys together. <laughs> but man, I appreciate y'all just for holding it down, man. You know, I, I tell y'all thank you all the time. Y'all did great work, man. I'm just happy to be back after that COVID incident and the evacuation incident. Still trying to get things together from that, but man, I'm just happy to be back. Under such sad circumstances, though, with the Colts just losing the game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's been a while uh, since we've had Rashad here, and I y'all y'all can't see me right now. I'm currently where Rashad is right now. Uh, we're gonna link up pretty soon, but uh, I'm in Louisiana right now for some hurricane uh, Ida relief. You know, that's that's part of my job. I'm down here. You know, we're going in houses, we're restoring those and everything trying to get Louisiana back to where it was before. But uh, I guess, like, before we get started, you know, we've mentioned it many times uh, throughout the offseason, but since we're here, we we won't be able to make uh, the Rams game, uh, unfortunately. It, it really – literally, I was passing by the Austin airport on my way up here, and, man, I shed a tear. I, I've wanted to go to Indianapolis for so long. I've wanted to see the Colts play live for so long. And that's going to be postponed postponed a little bit longer, uh, but other than that, man, uh, I'm I'm tired right now. But we we pushing it, and definitely, I don't know if Rashad's going to have to get in between me and Destin this episode. I think we're all probably going to be on the same side this episode. Yeah. Hey, I mean, if it takes a loss for me and Michael to agree, I mean, maybe it was necessary. Maybe this is, was just necessary for me and Michael's relationship more than anything else. But for real quick, before we get into the game, something that I just noticed just because of I was at the game. I'm a season ticket holder this year. So I was I was in the in my section for my first regular season game as a season ticket holder. Um, Pat McAfee came for the anvil. Um, it was Pat McAfee's undefeated streak um, on the anvil against the Colts eight-year run of losing in the opener. Um, obviously, Pat McAfee's streak came to an end, but Pat McAfee had a whole speech before he let that anvil have it, and it wasn't anywhere on Twitter, and he took shots at the Seahawks, man. He took shots at Russell Wilson. And, I mean, talking to you guys and talking to other people, nobody else has heard it, huh? No, man. I, this is actually the first I'm hearing of about it. When you told me in uh, pre-pro, I'm just shocked that such a – as you described it, you know, such a, a, a personality. big personality like like Pat McAfee can say something and it just flies under the radar like that. You know, typically guys yeah. of his stature and his nature just is always getting recorded, always has a camera on him at all times because he's such a public figure. What do you think about it, Mike? 
Uh, I think Chris Ballard was pissed off and blamed Pat for the loss, I think. <laughs> Maybe. Uh. Hey, hey, hey. Ballard has said some things in press was joking around as well. But just so for anybody that wasn't at the game that didn't get to hear it because national media just didn't pick it up, and I was shocked. It, it was the kind of content that national media really usually tries to make way bigger than it is. Um, but during his old speech, he uh, was pumping up the crowd, trying to get Indy, Indy going, Lucas Oil riled up. And eventually it turned to him talking about the Seahawks. And this is a paraphrase, of course, and not a quote. But he basically went along the lines of saying that while the Colts were getting ready for this game on this day against the Seahawks, that Russell Wilson wasn't focusing on playing the Colts in the season opener, that he was focusing on becoming a Chicago Bear the entire offseason. Um and, and the whole crowd was laughing. The whole crowd was getting jazzed up by it. Obviously, it wasn't enough for the Colts um, to wake up and start out week one with a win. But I'm just telling you guys, I was shocked it wasn't everywhere. I was expecting – I saw NFL Network was there beforehand. I saw um, Tom Pelissero was on the field for NFL Network pregame, and maybe it was like a green screen and just like fooled me, Tom, if you're listening. Um, but <laughs> NFL Network looked like they had a, at least a personnel there. So the fact that that didn't get put everywhere when he made that jab at Russ – I, I'm still shocked. Breaking news. Uh, Dustin Adams from the Blue Stable confirms Russell Wilson does not care about football. And Pat McAfee told him that directly. So go ahead and do what you want with that, folks. That is our piece of information. Since nobody else is going to spin it, we're going to spin it at the Blue Stable. Apparently. Yeah. If anybody has a video of him saying it, I just I promote you to tweet it out. Let people hear that because it was hilarious. And I feel like it just needs video proof of it. And Pat McAfee did not say that with the intent of not getting all the headlines. He meant to be on the headlines. And I bet he's disappointed just as I am. And real quick, before we jump right into the game, just one of the big, in my opinion, overreactions to the game that feels like happens every single game. You think Colts fans would learn. You think you guys would learn. But every game, it just feels like there's a group that is just flat out disagrees with going for it on fourth and short. Um, I believe the Colts went for it three times, um, one time, fourth and three, fourth and two, fourth and one. Um, and the fourth and one may have been fourth and inches. Um, still didn't convert it, but I'm just saying it was that close. So what are your guys' thoughts on it? Did you agree with the going for it each time? Or do you think Frank's too aggressive? I think with Frank, uh, and I thought this a little bit last year, He's got to dial back the aggressiveness a little bit, especially like if you're in a week one game. And of course, week one games where the Colts are today, I would imagine they're better in week eight. You know, they're still trying to get that chemistry. They're still trying to get better, get their legs under them. Everybody's trying to get back into football shape. And maybe it was just rustiness from not playing in the preseason. Maybe, maybe it was that maybe it was, maybe it was not. Um, But as far as the fourth down call is concerned, I mean, they didn't surprise me at all. Um, I just am still baffled by the fact that this man continues to call pass plays on fourth and very short. I just don't understand it. Uh, if you want to give it to John, Jonathan Taylor, that's fine. But having Carson Wentz do a full seven-step drop back and try to look for a 30-yard pass, that's honestly starting to get on my nerves a little bit. Um, now, did, did you trust? The, did you trust the offensive line to get push enough to run up the middle, though? On fourth right. and short, I'm I not saying them I, just, and I I'm, trust. I trust them, and I trust Jonathan Taylor. I mean, they've earned that trust, haven't they? They didn't I mean, during that game, right? Okay, and I'm that, not saying that I disagree that with means you. That I'm they not. did not live up to ex. Oh, I, absolutely, but that means that they didn't live up to expectations. It is their job to do what they've been doing for the past two, three years. And they failed to do it against a team I really don't think highly of as a defensive line unit. And that that still remains to be seen. Hey, but... I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you, Mike, on the pregame and everyone that was dissing the Seahawks um, pass defense, um, pass rush defense, the Seahawks, I mean, even if it's not personnel-based, I mean, hey, first of all, um, Darnell Taylor out of Tennessee, the rookie for them, man, lit Braden Smith up multiple times. Just just made him look foolish. Um, now, the injury news came out afterwards. Um, 
I mean, I'm, I'm not going to speculate, but I mean, when I see a guy get his ass beat, um, I feel like you see a lot of injury things come out afterwards, but I mean, I mean, that's just me. Um, just, just, just making a statement on it, but Especially I'm telling you who just got paid. They, they have, they have some quality speed rushers first and foremost. I mean, Carlos Dunlap came on at the end of last year. Um, Darnell Taylor, obviously, um, overperformed his rookie debut expectations but I mean it all comes down to the fact that they are a very creative pass rush group just in, just because of how the scheme works they throw a lot of things at you they're very uh, they, they ran a lot of stunts yesterday where Taylor and Dunlap would both come off the outside and rush the interior and rush Josh um, Jamal Adams off the outside and I mean the Colts just didn't have any answers for it but here's here's back back to my point real quick these seven-step dropbacks and everything, I mean, if it's that but uh, I mean, I, if, if you know that your offensive line is not performing that well, if you know that you're bad at left tackle, why are you even going down this route to begin with, in my opinion? I mean, I get it in a coach's perspective. You trust your team, but at some point, you have got to come to the real, realization that man we're just getting our behinds kicked man you gotta come up with that realization at some point in a game and just say man today's just not our day like why are we having Carson drop back seven yards and just putting Julian Davenport on an island I still don't get that there was no chip help there was no help whatsoever for Julian Davenport so honestly a lot of this game I'm gonna put on Frank because Jesus, man, these, these fourth it down play calls are starting to piss me the hell off, honestly. They're st- I agree with going for it. But Jesus, you held out a young running back for a reason. You drafted him high for a reason when no one expected you to. You kept all these running backs for a reason. Use them on fourth and one. Use them. D- Jesus, Frank, really, dude? I mean, I'm not trying to get too riled up because that's going to come later in the show with another dude. But, I, I mean, honestly, again, I don't have a problem with it. I've already come to the realization Frank is that guy. And, again, kind of like, you know, a, a coach is look good when those fourth down conversions succeed. Just like last year in the divisional game between Kansas City and Cleveland, man, Andy Reid would have been chewed out, destroyed, and called for his job if Chad Hen did not complete that out route to Tyreek Hill on fourth and two against Cleveland, he would have been chewed out. But because it was successful, guess what? He got called an offensive genius. So part of it is a coach learning that what the weakness are, weaknesses are on his team. And also it's about execution. Both of those things did not exist in Lucas Oil Stadium that day. I'm going to take the polar opposite approach. So I'm going to let Rashad go first. Um. I agree with the calls, uh, personally, because it lines up with a philosophy I have, and that's when you're going against a team that is better than you, then, you know, you can't settle for field goals. You have to be aggressive. You can't play like you're afraid to lose the game. You have to play like you're trying to win the game. And that's what I think Frank mindset is. Sometimes the execution fails, as we saw Sunday, and as we saw even in the Buffalo game, you know, going back to the playoff game from last year, when Michael Pittman uh, missed the pass that Phillip Rivers overthrew by just a hair on a four, on a crucial fourth down that led to a Buffalo touchdown, kind of opened the game up. You know, we, we saw several times Frank went for it last night. One, I mean Sunday night. One was a fumbled snap. It's just kind of it just happens. You know, Kelly and, and Wentz they don't have a lot of reps together. They've been injured. They've been COVID list. They they just had so few snaps together as a whole. That's going to ha- things are like that is going to happen. You don't want it to happen on a fourth down, of course, but on a quarterback sneak, Carson took ownership, said it was his fault, said he tried to run before he even had possession of the ball. So he's taking – and the pass play, you don't expect your $74 million right tackle to get blown up like that, especially against someone that's you know has no reputation, such as Taylor, a guy that, that's fresh, that's new. You just wasn't expecting it. And – that was simply unacceptable for Braden Smith. Uh, like that is him and Kelly can't have the game they have. And I don't want to get ahead of things that we're going to talk about later, but they have to be better. You know, you expect Davenport to be Davenport. Davenport is going to Davenport. So we're not, 
putting the onus on him because that is what it is. We expected that. But I love the aggressiveness. I love the fate that he had in the offense to be able to pick up one or two yards. But but like you said, Dustin, I remember you saying this Sunday after the game, if you can't pick up one one or two yards on four downs, then you don't deserve to win a game. And I, I agree with that totally, especially when you're going against a team that is better than you and you can't afford to settle for field goals on such an explosive offense, a team that can score within a couple of plays. I'm going to tell you the moment in the game that I was the most pissed off, and it came on the very first offensive drive. We, we kicked a field goal at the two-yard line. At the two-yard line. So, so I'm not going to talk about thinking Frank needs to be less aggressive. I, I was in awe that we settled for a field goal. I mean, this was a team that we were going in. Seattle on paper was a better football team than us. You heard Rashad say that. Colts fans disagreed with us coming into that when we said this. We had some disagreements on Twitter with some people that Mm -hmm. even thought that the Seahawks were – like a one-man show almost with Wilson, and like that's just not the case. Like there's just so many talented guys on this roster, both sides of the ball, really. Um, now, I want to talk about that first. Could not believe we didn't go for it from the two-yard line. That was the moment in the game that I disagreed with Frank the most, 100%. Now, from some of the other ones, I mean, we're playing from behind. The majority of the rest of the game, you're not coming back off of Hot Rod's foot. I like Hot Rod. I do. I mean, I think he's good at his job. Do I think he would have made most of those field goals? Probably, if not all. But you're not coming back with three off of three points. A tweet that I want to bring up um, from at Miller Time Pod, David Surley on Twitter. He's a Miller Time Pod's a pacer pod. If you guys are into that stuff, check him out. But he tweeted this about going for it when we were down 11 that last time, and it was fourth and, fourth and two was that one. If you go for it on fourth and short down 11, you know these things. You know that even if you score the touchdown and you miss the two-point conversion, you're going to need another score. You know if the other team gets a field goal, then you now need two touchdowns. You know, you no need no, no longer one. It's two touchdowns. You're shortening the field on a final drive down three. All compelling reasons why winning down 11 is hard. Roll the dice. So many things have to go your way. <laughs> even if you kick three, you're down eight. And if they go down and get a field goal, I mean, the defense wasn't in a situation where I would say they 100% were getting a stop. I just don't think we're in position to say that being down eight it was sufficient at that point. You had to switch the momentum. You had to find a way to win it. So that last one I had no problems with. And then fourth and short, Frank Reich's going to go for it. That's who he is. That's who he's created his mantra to be. I, I, I'm shocked that people are shocked about it. I, I say that every single time that I get on Twitter after a game, and that's what people are complaining about, is because if you are a Colts fan and you've watched every single game, I don't know how you ever expect them to send out a field goal unit or a punting unit on fourth and three and shorter. I just don't. I just don't see how you aren't expecting it at this point. But that's my personal opinion on it. Um, I'd rather lose the game saying we tried everything we could to come back than saying we went conservative. But this goes all the way back to when the Colts ended up losing in overtime to Houston a few years ago because we went for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal um, that would have tied it and we lost the game. I was all for that aggressiveness uh, because I think when you settle for ties and you settle for just ending those games that way, you've just already lost mentally. And that, that to me is just harder to come back from than losing how we did 28, 16 to Seattle. Um, that's my opinion on it. I know that is a very polarizing argument. I do see the points that Michael's bringing um, to why it makes sense, maybe even statistically and an- analytically, but I, I just, I can't get behind trying to come back down 11 from the foot of hot rod. I just don't see it's possible. Now, here's my thing on that. And you mentioned the Houston game that first year. We also lost because of his aggressiveness against Jacksonville when we lost, what was it, 6-0? to I think it was um, in 2018. So there was another loss because we were like 0 for 4 inside the 5. And some days, hey, man, some days just aren't your day. And with that one, I mean, I think we were talking about two completely different things. Um, what was it with like seven minutes, eight minutes left in the fourth? I think it was. It's fourth down. Davenport got destroyed on the rep. I mean, I would have trusted the offensive line because the entire game we were getting two, three, four yard runs. We weren't busting 20 yard runs, but we were getting four, three, two yard runs, and it was fourth and one. 
But so, that wasn't I mean, because of the offensive line. I mean, if you go back and look at any positive gain run that we had in that game, it came off of Hines or Taylor breaking tackles and just creating something out of nothing. The thing is, that's hard to put money into. Like, that's hard to bet on. Bet on a guy being able to, like, break a tackle, especially in those situations where teams know you're running. Um, Listen, that's I, why you invest high draft picks. That's why you give Naheem Hines the money you just gave. You don't just say that. We say, also you know, did we're that. not just going to actually we're not going to put the ball in your hands in these situations. But you got your money. But we also invested that with the thought that we had a top five O line unit, especially running the ball. Like like run blocking exactly, but That's that day that wasn't the case. Test them, but that you entire game that wasn't the them, case. Destin, you test them, Destin. They you failed, don't just but sit they there failed. And say you know what? We're gonna change our way. No, we keep on saying running the damn ball, but in the most pitiful pivotal moments, we don't run the damn ball. Like, that's what's crazy to me. Pick up the quick first down and then let Carson gunsling. Let him gunsling. Just pick up the first down. Get the first down. Don't get 30 yards. I mean, Jesus, Carson looked like he was going for the for the big, for the big throw. And I hey, I'm all for it. The fourth down, the fourth downs, trot the offense out there, especially if it's fourth and three or under. Trot them, trot their houses out there. We're gonna get it. But at some point. Someone's got to take accountability. And it was Frank. It was the offensive line. Th- those are who were, who were accountable. You got to kick these people in the butt. And, I mean, I don't even know why I'm acting surprised. I predicted this team would go 7-10, and 10, but I didn't think it would be because of the offensive line. I really did it. We're getting ahead of ourselves, guys. Yeah, I say, we'll, we'll talk more about this in a second. But yeah. moral of the story, sounds like we're two to one. Um, Rashad and me sound like we're team more of the we understand why we went for it and we're okay with it. We actually agree with so what, so what, what, what why the, the reasoning for it. Mm-hmm. And Michael, Michael is definitely on that polar end, which a lot of Colts fans are. So Michael's not alone, even though it's just him right now on this pod. What's up? Like a lot, a lot right. of Colts Nation did agree with that. And obviously, um, Michael has some fellow people over there with him that we're hearing from. But uh, <laughs> real quick, before we actually get into our takeaways from the game, post all the fourth down conversions and McAfee's anvil talk, this next topic is sponsored by One Call Technology. One Call Technology is a managed telecom service provider whose senior staff has 100 plus years of experience in virtually every aspect of business communications, business phone system installation and services, managed telecom services, high-speed internet, head on over to One Call's Here, website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888-585-8850 and tell them the Blue Stable sent you. And up next, we're going to be talking about the takeaways we had from this game. Rashad, I'm going to let you go first. What was a big takeaway you saw from the 28-16 loss to Seattle? Well, I mean, let's not let's not act like the biggest takeaway and probably my biggest thing I'm looking for this season was the play of Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz played a lot better than I expected him to with the rust and the, the things he was coming off of. We know he had a terrible season last year, but we also know his circumstances and his situation. We know he was coming into a much better situation here in Indy, but due to the fact that he just haven't been available to get those reps and only what three full practices four, I guess if you're counting the training camp uh, practice that he had under his belt before he went down with an injury, we know he's been simulating reps, you know, on his way back while he was rehabbing, but there's nothing like that live game, speed no preseason Carson played great man I mean great regarding of what they asked him to do Frank I think kept it relatively simple for him as far as the play calling and the things that he was asked to do he threw a lot of screen passes we saw the running catch a lot of balls I believe Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines had six catches apiece to lead the team um wide receivers didn't get much work he used used Jack Doyle a few times and Shout out to Mr. Reliable, Zach Pascal. Him and Carson seem to have a good rapport with each other. And I just was excited to see him back in action, man. And to see him bring something to the table that we haven't seen since year before last when we had a mobile quarterback. You know, he was able to move a little bit, move around the pocket. But the offensive line didn't give him a chance to do much vertically. 
And that's what I'm expecting to see in the future. I don't know if it's going to happen in this Rams game, but I'm assuming Frank's going to open it up for him and he's going to get a chance to really show what he can do. But I like it, man. First game out the gate. That's my biggest takeaway because that's the thing I'm looking at closely this season. Yeah, we knew that we just didn't want Carson to be the reason we lost games. Carson could not come in, be a liability, be a guy that on the field was holding things back. That wasn't the case. I I feel like everything around him limited his abilities. I even think the O-line play is the reason we saw such vanilla play calling from Frank because Mm -hmm. there just wasn't many options. I mean, um, we're – Another thing that I I saw was that the receivers really struggled at the line of scrimmage, which was shocking to me because during the preseason, which I know it's preseason and in training camp, the line of scrimmage is where a lot of these guys were making money, man. Paris Campbell during preseason, there wasn't a corner that was keeping him at the line of scrimmage. He was creating separation like a snap of your finger right away. Um, Pittman, I feel like even he at the line of scrimmage was over exceeding what I thought he would do in preseason. But in this game, it just didn't feel like anybody could buy separation. I I thought Zach Paschal was the best receiver on the field, and it wasn't close, not even just because the statistical two touchdowns at the end of the game. Um, Michael Strawn didn't get a lot of work, but both of his catches were at big moments, and he he created enough separation to help Wentz hit that tight window on both of them were key first downs to keep that game going. Um, Pittman Pittman and Paris, man, they both got to be better. See, that Seattle DB room is one of the worst we're going to face this year. That, that, that's what has me nervous. Like these, these, the corners in Seattle are, are struggling. They, they, those, those corners and the fact that Pittman and Paris couldn't create that separation and they couldn't make a bigger impact against those guys, that has me worried. I mean, I think the offensive line had, had to do with it. I do that there wasn't enough time for routes to develop. So I'm not going to put it all on them. But it was still a disappointing outing for those guys. One one hundred percent agree with with both of you. I mean, Carson is not the reason we lost this game. Uh, I would say he was practically back in Philly. Horrible line play. Wide receivers can't get open. He was basically back in Philly. Um, the whole game, he was probably man. I really pushed to actually come to this damn team. Like man, what's going on? Uh, the first uh thing that comes to my head. I mean. Let's stop hoping and praying that Eric Fisher comes back, man. I don't give a damn how good Eric Fisher is. If these if these guys continue to be this bad, it's not going to matter. Anthony Costanzo was here for years, and we still sucked. So, man, I'm really hoping and praying for this. But, look, they were running their mouths all offseason, just running their mouths, running their mouths, and they come out like that. So I'm coming at the defense on this one. Uh, edge rush play was pathetic. Uh, linebacker play was distasteful, embarrassing. Safety play was pitiful. Uh, hell, I turned the game off like five damn times because I was tired of watching it. Um, hell, I think Rock didn't have that bad of a game, but hell, man, this this defense got embarrassed. They got embarrassed. They doubled down in the third. I think that was easily their best quarter of the game, but. Hell, I I just still don't understand uh, this this cover two scheme. I really don't. I I just don't understand it in this day and age of football. Uh, Russell Wilson, this was probably the easiest game he was probably going to have all year. Maybe maybe not, but definitely it could. He, he Russell Wilson could not have asked for an easier day. He he really couldn't. I'm so tired of this cover two scheme. And yes, that means Matt Eberflus has to go. I've been saying it since last year. I'm done with them. Um, I, I really hope it doesn't cause the Colts to miss the playoffs or anything because they just have too much talent on this team to be going what I predicted, seven and 10. They just have too much talent to be doing that. Uh, al Muhammad, 38 snaps. Ben Banigou, six. Embarrassing. Uh, some embarrassing, stupid excuse Matt gave NASCAR race shut the hell up that that's 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 not the reason you benched him you benched him because Kamoko Toure was out and Isaac Rochelle can't play the game of football so you have to put someone in a uniform that you don't like so that's just how how it goes uh al Muhammad I think had an okay game he definitely did some good things um in the run game a little bit he got to Russell Wilson a couple times the Forrest Buckner good sack but in terms of 
the linebackers, man, the linebackers did not play well at all. They did not play well at all. Darius Leonard got caught looking way too much. Bobby Okariki, man, I'm telling y'all, Anthony Walker had a big voice in that linebacker room. He had a lot of guys in in positions, told everybody what their job was, and now that's Bobby's job. That's Darius Leonard's job. They're both capable of it, I think. But, man, what a quarterback to go against on day one, a Super Bowl champion, one of the better quarterbacks we've had of this generation. And the defense has got to be better. They've got to be better. Kari Willis, man, first off, what a throw. What a catch from Wilson to lock it in the second quarter. I mean, that was just a beautiful, beautiful play development. Uh, Kari, you know, I love him, but him versus Tyler Lockett, man, I, I think I'll take Tyler Lockett 10 times out of 10. Uh, the defense overall, man, it just needs to be better. Needs to be better. All these thoughts about we're a top five defense, we can get 40 turnovers. You did not live up to that. You got to go play football. And I'm definitely calling out the defense after this week one. It was not close. The score made it look a little bit closer than it actually was, in my opinion. Uh, I, I really wanted to see a lot more from Darius Leonard and Bobby Okri, and I'm, I'm disappointed in those two, mainly on the defense. And, and I will say it's almost – and this is going to sound weird and contradicting, but it's almost a positive – to the Colts outlook for the season when you talk about how many guys had in our like in our eyes as a Colts the worst game we've seen them play as Colts because that I mean almost more than even having those career high days it's hard to replicate that kind of bad play I mean we, we've already talked about Braden Smith and Ryan Kelly um, two guys that are in the top 10 of their position, I, I think Brian Kelly, I think Kelly is a top three center in football. I do. And, and he had an embarrassing outing. Most, most tweets were about Davenport, but we, we knew who he was. We knew he was a backup tackle for a reason. Yeah. We, knew, we knew he was a guy that struggled against speed rushers. He's a big, massive guy. He's a better run blocker than a pass blocker um, and didn't hold up in pass protection. We knew that. But Braden Smith allowed more sacks yes on Sunday than he did the entire year last year. He allowed more pressures on Sunday than he did the entire year last year. And he did that in one game and he got put on his ass multiple times. This wasn't just, he got beat by some slick moves over there. Like Darnell Taylor out muscled Smith multiple times, Smith and Kelly, just embarrassing outings. Um, we, we talked about, you talked about Darius Leonard and Bobby Okariki. I mean, that was the, worst coverage that I've seen two guys that are actually pretty solid in coverage, especially Okariki. Okariki, in my opinion, has been the better of the two in coverage overall. And then Darius Leonard is just the better playmaker overall. Both of them just had pretty poor outings. I mean, obviously um, Darius Leonard ended up forcing the fumble and I think they both had a better second half than first half for sure. But overall awful days, Kari Willis and Justin Blackman felt like they were in the wrong position on every deep ball they needed. Um, they were they were always trailing. They were always trying to catch, make up ground. Both guys just overall had awful days, especially Kari Willis. I feel like that was the worst guy I've seen of him in a very long time. Alquadine Muhammad, we know what he is. He's the same thing every time he's on the field. I have no issues with him. I think he's just meant to be a rotational guy, and the Colts keep using him as a starter. I mean, he was top five in snaps on the on the defense. That can't happen. Not not for a guy as bland and just very easy to game plan for um, you got to throw some of these young guys out there we let these other guys walk for a reason i mean you, the list could just go on and on the receivers had poor days we didn't see much outing from the tight ends you mentioned earlier how the tight end didn't help davenport at all that's a, that's a frank decision in my opinion where i will criticize frank i saw very few tight end help for davenport i would i would see the tight ends line up and help block with Braden smith more than davenport <laughs> Like how, like how I, I just don't understand it. But, I mean, so many guys having their worst day, you can almost look at it as a positive for the Colts going forward because those guys, they got their shit handed to them. Now how they respond matters. And if these guys can't pick up, pick it up and get back to their old selves, that, that, that's football, man. I mean, this, this is typical. Well, I'm going to let Rashad get in first. No, I, I don't have much to say. I just want to kind of piggyback off something Dustin said. I'm not really mad at the way the cornerbacks play per se. 
it's more on the safeties to me, man. Like, if we're going to address something in the secondary, something we thought was a strength, maybe not the depth at safety because we're only running with three safeties right now. But the fact that our two starting safeties, guys who – one guy we especially think has Pro Bowl potential and another guy who's been rock solid for us for the last – going on three years now, that was just – it was, it was disappointing to see. It was disappointing to see because we thought – the Achilles heel of the secondary was by far the cornerbacks. We was missing our start, our number one corner, Xavier Rhodes, who didn't play. Rocky Sin filled in for him. Rocky Sin played 100% of the snaps on Sunday and was actually pretty solid. It was the safeties who were out of position, going back to the first touch, the first touchdown where Eberflus sent seven guys. And that's another thing. I've seen Eberflus blitz more Sunday than probably his whole tenure since he's been defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I guess it's a good sign but that he's trying to switch it up, but we expect better safety play, and I think he expected those guys to be able to match up a little bit better, not expecting you to cover those guys full-fledged for four to five seconds. With at least two to three seconds, you should be able to stay in position. I mean, Russ literally heaved it to the heavens, looked like, but it was a perfect throw. Kahari Willis was out of position and that just can't happen man it just can't happen I, I i just don't understand why you're blitzing russell wilson to begin with i i, I really that was don't. that was my comment if, if you're gonna take make a game where you blitz the most you're not you shouldn't do it against aaron Rodgers. it worked for the bucks in the playoffs but i mean aaron Rodgers is one of the best at picking up blitzes in the nfl russell wilson's another one he's he's a guy that makes money when you send that extra help and he finds the yes. opening Yes, I mean, he's just that smart of a football player. And I said it this offseason, and honestly, I think it it showed on that football field. This team, this defense, misses Anthony Walker. I think he was the smartest football player. Like, if in terms of everything he digested, he knew what everyone's position was. He was so smart. He was such a leader on this defense, and I said it when we let him go. I expected us to let him go because Bobby Okariki was clearly the next man up. Um, it, it showed yesterday. It showed yesterday. Guys were out of position. That's not a coincidence. I mean, either that or you just didn't give a damn coming into Sunday. It's either one of the two, in my opinion. There was uh, there was a lot of arguments within the defenders. I mean, on the touchdown to yeah. Gerald Everett's touchdown um, underneath – um, you could. There was a lot of arguing going on even pre-snap. Um, Blackman was out of position. Um, Kenny almost had to like drag him to the right position at one point because Blackman was covering on the underneath when he was supposed to be out wide. And then on that touchdown throw to Everett, you saw Darius Leonard and Bobby Okariki split the waters in the middle of the field at on the four-yard line. Um, and that can't happen. You can't give the entire center of the end zone to a guy like Russell Wilson. He's, he's going to find the opening. He's going to hit it. Now, the only pushback I have about it is I wouldn't even say it's the Colts' fault for letting Anthony Walker leave. He was leaving because he had to go get playing time elsewhere. He wasn't going to yeah. get it here. So, I mean, it's hard to blame the Colts um, oh, for letting I never Anthony blamed, Walker leave. I never blamed the Colts. Oh, I know. We all agreed. We all agreed he would be gone, but I – Man, he did so much for this defense. And now I, I do think vocally uh, maybe he would have helped. I, I still think the fact that Okariki had a bad day in pass protection, pro- he, he would probably still be better than the best pass protection day we ever saw from Anthony Walker. And I love Anthony Walker. I, I love him as a person. I will root mm-hmm. for him in Cleveland. I think he has a lot of strengths yeah. that Colts fans don't realize because he just struggled in that one area, and that's where they honed in on him. But I do not think Anthony Walker would have made that much of a difference Sunday, personally. I, um, I think it would have helped against the run, though. Yeah, like, I We do. struggled to do that, to stop the run. And that's uncharacteristic for us. I mean, hey, when you can't even do what you're the best, like what your bread and butter as a team is, that you knew you were going to struggle. I mean, the Colts yeah. were struggling to um, get that four a carry. They struggled to stop the run. It felt like Carson was able to get four a carry plus some just about every time he touched the ball. Um, The the biggest pro that I took was Hines and Taylor are still making plays. Hines and Taylor, no matter the adversity, were finding ways to get theirs. Um, I mean, a lot of people are mad at Frank Reich for all the screen calls, 
But I mean, if you go back and watch the entire offensive game, it was the only play that a hundred had a hundred percent effectiveness. Like they weren't stopping the screens because Hines and Taylor were making those plays. They were finding the holes, they were hitting it. And the receivers just weren't creating enough separation with the amount of time the offensive line was giving them on routes um, to be able to keep calling those plays. It, it, it was it, You weren't able to do it anymore. You were already down. You couldn't just keep calling something that wasn't working. So we saw an abundance of screens. But your running backs can't be your leading receivers every week, and you expect to be a winning football team. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to happen. It's not 1980 anymore. That's just not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I think – truthfully now this is like some hopefully some good news uh optimism going forward in my opinion what happened on sunday with the defensive side of the ball i think they were feeling themselves too much i think they were feeling themselves too much they were gassing each other up all offseason they did some good stuff last year for a team that got knocked out of the first round of the playoffs um and you were feeling yourselves all offseason made all these proclamations, these demands, these goals, and you came out feeling yourselves. Uh, this is a young team, very young team. Kari Willis is in year three. Julian Blackman is in year two. Darius Leonard's what? Now in year four, I want to say. Bobby Okariki is in year three. Hell, Quiddy Pay's a rookie. I mean, these guys are still young. So if this is the growing up process that they needed, then it's time to grow the hell up. I mean, you can't just walk out on the field and thank you some big stuff because just as big and bad as you are, there's someone on the other side of the ball bigger and badder than you. So, I mean, that goes for everyone on the defense except DeForest Buckner because he's bigger than everybody. So I think this defense needs to double down. They need to buckle down, man. This is probably our most talented side of the football, maybe, maybe. And that's just a big maybe to me because I love defense. But this defense, I expect it so much better from them so much better and Destin honed in on it everyone was out of position there was way too com too much communication when you see too much communication going on that means guys are confused that means guys are second guessing where they're supposed to be that means they don't know what they're doing so we got to get back in the classroom apparently we got to get back to the playbook we got to get back to film study we got to get back to all that i mean the great ones get back and get in the lab and and, and work on it so it would be epic Colts fashion to wet the bed in week one and come back and beat the rams in epic Colts fashion that's just who the colts are they're gonna lose the games you expect them to win and then then they're gonna win the games you expect them to lose well, I didn't expect them to win this one, and it still didn't win. So <laughs> hopefully that is the case. I mean, that's what we're hoping for. And, and one more thing I wanted to touch on the point Dustin made about the running backs playing well. Uh, they also did good in pass protection, too. I seen Jonathan Taylor pick up a crucial blitz on that second touchdown to Pascal, and Carson Wentz delivered a beautiful ball. Uh, they, those guys did what they could. I mean, with the circumstances that they were placed in with the offensive line. And I want to credit uh, Seattle guys for tackling well in space because on some of those screen plays, it looked like it was going to go, man. Jonathan Taylor had one where I just knew for sure he would walk in the end zone. And out of nowhere came a, a, a linebacker for Seattle. I'm blanking on who it was, but he made a tackle and it was able to get a stop, man. They, it was a really good game in the game of inches because a couple of those screen plays and a couple of those run plays, they could have went, you know, but, but the, the football is not round. You know, you can't predict where it's going to bounce and it clearly didn't bounce our way Sunday. And, you know, that's one of those games you just got to follow away and, you know, hopefully you come out and play better. One thing I do like is that Frank Wright, he does respond well to losses. So I'm expecting this team to play a lot better Sunday, not saying if I, expect them to win yet we'll do that on the preview show but i'm expecting them to play a lot better that's for sure no hey, debate I, about that i said it before the seattle game i thought and this wasn't me saying i think we're going to beat the rams when i tweeted it out but i thought the colts matched up better with the rams and the seahawks just off of personnel and scheme fit wise um I think the Colts going into the Seattle game weren't worrying as much on the pass protection as they're 
going to for the Rams. I think no matter how good you think our Colts offensive line is, you know what the defensive line of the Rams is. You know how great that is. You're going to hone in on that. You're going to watch it. Now, it it's a two-sided coin almost because the Rams have seen a lot of the Seahawks twice a year, every year. They know mm-hmm. – and so they know how Russell Wilson works. They're going to watch that Colts – Seahawks game and they're going to understand how Wilson was taking us apart how they how he was eating us up the the areas that the Seahawks beat us and the Rams are better in most of those positions <laughs> to be able to yeah. especially on the defensive side of the ball it, it's going to be an interesting one we're going to talk about that more um, in our next show of course but there were positives guys um, I, I know there was a lot of negatives getting set out here but it was week one um, the team just overall just never really felt like they were in this one. And that's why there's so many negatives going to come out of it. But to me, I think you should leave this game knowing. And it, the biggest takeaway even, and there's the first thing that Rashad said, was that Carson Wentz looked like a guy you could win with. Carson Wentz looks like a guy who can make the plays needed. And can we just talk about how good it felt to see a guy roll out the pocket again? Oh my oh, yeah. gosh! I, I forgot oh, yeah. how much I loved it. I did. I loved Philip Rivers last year. I'm not. That's not an anti Philip Rivers comment. I loved watching Phil play. I loved watching Rivers just mentally win snaps. But to see a guy roll out of the pocket is just something we weren't able to see for an entire season. Um, <laughs> and if if can, can you imagine if Phil was out there week one, how many sacks there would have been? Oh god. I mean, it would have been ugly. He got the ball out yeah. quick. Don't get me wrong, but dang. Yeah. I mean, Carson, a lot of what he likes to do has to involve a little bit of pass protection. That's just what we didn't see on Sunday. He likes to step into the pocket and deliver some darts, and he couldn't step into, into a pocket. There was no pocket to step in. So, And there were I'm a few times really... that I feel like Wentz didn't – go through his progressions um, uh-huh. the, at his best capabilities. But obviously when you're spending an entire game um, on the edge of your toes, trying to see if you have to break it out of the pocket because the mm. entire right side and interior is just collapsing over and over again, it's tough to make that right call every single time. So do I think he was perfect? No, but do I think he showed all the talent and why they went out and traded for him? A hundred percent. And I think that was the biggest positive to take away from all this. I love the running backs. I love, I thought the corners played better than I expected, um, but I still think it's going to be a problem the entire year. And that's a reason that I tweeted out what I did. I just, the depth there is going to be a problem at some point. I think rock played well when he was lined up over DK Metcalf. Um, just because of that aggressiveness and being able to just to fight with a guy. Um, did DK beat him a few times? Yeah, but that's going to happen. Now, when we had to see Rock anywhere near um, Lockett, um, Rock was even on Eskridge one time when Eskridge made a good grab because he just made that separation off Rock. It's just going to be tough this year, guys. That corner group is going to be tough to watch, and I – don't want to sound like a pessimistic fan, but I don't think Xavier Rhodes is going to be the savior that some Colts fans think when they keep saying, but our corner one was out this week. Well, I just want to remind everyone that if you think Russell Wilson and the Seahawks were good offensively, uh, get ready because it's not going to get any better. Matthew Stafford and the Rams are coming to town. We still have the Cardinals. We still have plenty of good teams offensively. The Titans that we're twice. Gonna face. Oh, the Titans, and that's just around the corner. So both of us got embarrassed. Um, yeah, this is gonna. Whoo, man! It's like some of the things Destin and I talked about this offseason. They they kind of showed a little bit on on Sunday without uh, the Carson Wentz. Um, you know the questions I had and everything. I think he answered a lot of those on uh, on Sunday. Um, but man, I, whoo, man, I'm, it's week one. It's week one. I don't want to overreact too much. Okay. I don't want to overreact week one. The Colts are going to be a better team than in week eight than they were in week one. How much better that's still yet to be determined, but, um, you know, what's the health of this team, Braden Smith, Xavier Rhodes, how serious is that calf injury? Uh, Kamoko Toure, how long has he been out? Is Paris Campbell really lingering with an issue, but he's toughing through it? You know, there's some things to figure out, but 
I, I think off talent wise, I just can't help but think this Colts team's gonna be all right. I can't talent wise, Frank Reich wise, I just can't help but think this team's gonna be all right. And I'm I'm gonna roll with that. Well, uh, like I said, I spoke about um, you know, what I thought went well for us the running backs. Uh I thought the quarterback played well. That was my first takeaway. Uh something else that I liked, I like the way that DeForest Buckner responded after halftime. I know um, he was pretty quiet in the first half, but once he got settled in, you can see that he's still going to be a force. Like you, you can see the signs are there. I know he ended up getting a sack, but he he had a couple of uh, hurries, a couple of pressures. I think he'll be fine once he settles in. The defense responded well after halftime, but we know that they always does that. You know, they did that last year. We can't afford to let people put us in a hole like that. I did like the way they played in the second half, but the fact that this, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but this was Russ' second highest passer rating of his career. I, I believe he played. I believe it. 149 games, I, I believe. Something hey, in that on, ballpark. On that Monday Night Football Manning broadcast, he, uh, he gave St. Elmo's a shout out saying he thought St. Elmo's helped him play better. So I'm just saying. Oh my Jesus. Russell Wilson had his second highest efficient game of his career. And he's that had some it. great games. That's embarrassing. So we that saw Gardner Minshew go 19 for 20 last year on opening opening day. Now we're seeing Russell Wilson have his second highest efficient game. Hey. It's something about opening day. What, what you just said about Gardner Minshew, though, like after watching that game last year, I thought we were going to be the worst secondary in football. Like, I, I really thought it was possible because like, it was just that bad. It was bad. Uh, and they, they responded. They bounced back. So that's the other thing everyone needs to remember. It's week one. Are these all takeaways that are real and that happened last Sunday? Yeah. But last Sunday's in the past. We're 0-1. Um, now we're on a week two where we're 0-0 we're for week two right now. We got to figure out what's going on in the Colts, mo- the Colts motto. Um, that they did before anybody else. Every other NFL team is starting to pull it and steal it from us. Um, but the goal is to go one and zero each week. Um, so we're on to week two. Um, make I want you guys to make sure you guys are listening to that next episode uh, where we're going to break down the Rams' upcoming game and seeing what we see in that matchup. Um, do you guys have anything else before <laughs> we head out? I'm scared for Sunday. Yeah, rip <laughs> prayers. Everything I'm, miracle. I'm frightened after watching that Sunday night game. The Rams just shredded the Bears. Go to confession, something. <laughs> hey guys, we're gonna break all that down. We're gonna calm all the fears, and we're we're gonna see what we can do, what the Colts need to do if they want to be a one and one football team come the end of week two. But you guys have been listening to the Blue Stable podcast, the official Colts podcast of Fan Sided. My name is Destin Adams. Today I was. Joined back by the Rashad McGinnis, Michael Terrazas, and guys, as always, and even after a loss, go Colts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.